Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is supported by SafeBand. SafeBand is the indigo silicon wristband that lets people know that you, or a member of your family, has been vaccinated to protect them from COVID-19. And with every SafeBand that's ordered by you, or people like you, we donate one to a frontline key worker or vulnerable member of the community. Slowly, life will return to how it once was. Until then, we're determined to get things back to normal for those who've taken the first step. Find out more by clicking the link in the description or visiting safeband.me. Welcome to the Manchester United Redcast with me, Chris Curley, on what has been a very big week in the life of being a Manchester United fan. To discuss the highs of Milan and the lows of Leicester, we have a very special threesome joining me today. Uh, Dan Riley is here. Um, and we're joined by the unlikely twin brothers of Aaron Paul and Ben Paul. I never knew you two were related. Um, Solid. How many years apart, BP? How, how many years is it? Like? It's, do you know what? We, we're almost identical twins, apart from the fact that I'm about 10, 20 years older than you. That's it. That's it. I mean, and we look nothing like each other. And we, um, apart from that... There is another, there is another, um, another Paul who also has a... A Christian name, uh, Owen Paul. My, you're my favourite waste of time. Anyone remember that one? Blast from the past. Well, the best thing I think you can say about the Owen Paul song was the episode of Pebble Mill, hosted by Paul Coyer, where he threw a link, which was like a lunchtime show for the younger viewers. It was like, um, what was it like? Like Steph's Pat Lunch, like this morning kind of show. And they threw over to Owen Paul to perform his song. Um, yet, there was no sound and there was no singing, yet the song was coming in over the, <laughs> over the EBS. It's a, it's a classic. It's on YouTube. It's it's on, probably, if you can look up that, look up Five Star performing Can't Wait Another Minute in the canteen. Um, Is that Aaron, Pebble Mill, Birmingham? Yeah, Pebble Mill, Birmingham. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. classic. Um, gents, I hope this can be a cathartic podcast for us all today. Aaron, um, we've not, we've not heard from you for a few weeks. What's your sense of what happened yesterday? Because that's where we have to start. Oh, God. 
Oh God! Oh God! Are you, just, Are you still in bed? Yeah, mate. I am. Um, it was a heavy night afterwards. It was a heavy night. Me. Duvet day kind of result, wasn't it? Really? Well, yeah. I don't get many of them duvet days either. So I'm just I'm I'm embracing it before I'm I'm summoned to the big house in in central London uh, on an international week, which is never fun. Um, how do you sum it up? You know. It's just, it's frustrating. The limitations of the squad are there. Like, we, we knew it. We knew it months ago. We knew it in January. It just, again, it feels like we've taken sort of three, four steps forward and five, six steps back. You know, when you see a midfield of, of Fred and Matic, geez, I mean, someone compared him to Fred West. I can't do that. I'll compare, compare it to Fred Flint. I call him Brazilian Fellaini. You know, he's just... well, there are games that Fred plays like that where you have to you have to check his passport is indeed Brazilian. Don't make that. Jeez, I think you have to. I think you have to check his passport for his profession to see whether it actually says footballer. Because... I mean, and then some fucking two bit journo is kicking off at me saying that fucking McTominay is the problem. <laughs> what, what are you watching, mate? There's. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, there's one geezer. He. I don't know if he listens to podcasts. If he does. Fucking fight me, mate. Every time he puts up some random opinion about United. Yesterday he goes, Henderson, Maguire and McTominay are the reason Man United won't move forward. And I'm like, you thick cunt, mate. Have you not fucking watched United and thought, oh, well, you know, Lindelof actually hasn't been too bad the past few games. Lindelof, fucking Matic, the fact that Martial blows hot and cold like a boiler on the blink. It's just... There are so many issues again that are being opened up. We think we've got them sorted, but no, they get opened up again. It's very frustrating. But I'm, I'm very frustrated. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, we can I'm, hear it. We can hear it. We can hear it. And I feel, I feel better for you for saying it. I think there goes our PG rating. I think um, if we can edit a. Um, an explicit content uh, message at the top of this, please. Aaron Paul is in the house. Oh, yes. See there, Aaron Paul. I've been spending too, many, too much time. You don't hear him talking to Kelly Cates like this. I've been spending too much time with Millwall fans, boys. It just happens. You, you, you literally wake up and you have no filter in the morning. Trust me, it happens. Kelly will be telling you to wash your mouth out with soap and water, Aaron Paul. More than likely. But luckily, I don't do that sort of in office hours, you know. Um, ben, what was your take on, on the whole performance yesterday? It was depressing. It was depressing from, from the outset. Ollie said, um, to quote... We, uh, we didn't play with our usual normal spark. But I, don't, I haven't seen that usual normal spark for quite a while. Because since the end of January, we've drawn against the likes of Arsenal and, and Everton and West Brom, lost to Sheffield United. You know, that's not the United spark. Prior to that, maybe. But we haven't played with this spark for a while. And yeah, we've gone 29 games unbeaten over the course of 14 months away from home. The bubble was about to burst, and boy, did it burst! I tactically, we I, I think we were we shouldn't have played our reserves, especially before the international break. If if you're going to get pull, if Bruno's going to pull a muscle, do it now so he doesn't waste his time um, on the inter, with United, but it does it on the international break. Um, I didn't get why he played the reserves from from the off, but there seemed to be a lack of hunger. There was a sloppiness. We didn't get out from the traps. And we, that played right into to, to Brendan Rodgers' hands. Because tactically, he 
owned us so badly. Dan Riley, let me put something to you. It's been 120 days since the first game from the end of the last international break. We've played 35 games, a game every 3.4 days. We've won 20, we've drawn 10, we've lost 5, we've scored 65, conceded 33 with 17 clean sheets. Now the five defeats have been all included being knocked out of the Champions League, the FA Cup and the League Cup. What does that tell you? Okay, so I mean the first thing, the first point I think it, and it's and it's and it's not an excuse but it is a contributory factor to yesterday is that you could clearly see that Leicester were a team who hadn't had as as many games we've been playing. They looked fresh. They were they were up for it. I think we weren't up for it, and that's not good enough. And but I think that the the fatigue levels were clearly a contributing factor to that. And I think once if you can't get going in a game like that, it's hard once you're down to get it back. And despite our equaliser, we never really were in that game. I, I do think there could be a slight thing about us having a bit of a mental thing about big games and, you know... I mean, I agree with you, but after Thursday night against Milan, that felt like a real mental breakthrough to me because to, they played that out professionally. They did everything they had to do. I mean, Pogba got his class goal and they played together as a team. And then for me, Aaron, he kind of changed it in particular parts of the team, he probably couldn't risk changing it, knowing that it was a big game going into the quarterfinal away at Leicester, and Leicester are a good side. They, they, they are a good side. They're a really good side. And how they've become a good side is by being a settled side. You know, look at Tielemans and Ndidi. They've played a, a consistent run of games together as a midfield. I couldn't tell you the last time that Oli played a consistent side. Granted, we've had injuries. Granted, you know, you've had players dipping in and out of form. But there's no consistency in, in, a, in our eleven. There's zero consistency. I have a question for you boys as well. Does Weasel Boy get into this lineup? Who is Weasel Boy? Come on, everyone knows who we, little rat boy is. Oh, no, no, no one knows. Rat boy, rat boy on loan at West Ham. Declan oh, Rice, Lingard. Lingard. He's rat boy. He's a little weasel boy, isn't he? He's a little weasel. Does well, he get into this lineup? No. I, 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 can I go first on that one about Lingard? Right. So I've watched Lingard pretty much three all ninety minutes of the three last three games he's played, and he's played like Jesse used to play. Right. He's ran about a bit. Um, he's played a lot. His success has largely come when West Ham have played on the break, right? Which is what they do, and that suits him. Um, where does he get in this? He's been playing more as a number ten than than wide. The last twenty minutes of game, he'll play left or he'll play right. You telling me he gets in ahead of Bruno? No. You telling me he is shown consistent form over the last three years to warrant a place in his side? He's twenty eight. No, so but in yesterday's game, does he play? Off yesterday's game, what well, he was better than Donny Van der Beek, yeah. Off the match and the two performances, he was better. Donny's so that, a different argument, though. Well, I, I'll pick this up here because just before they scored their second goal, I, I had to ask myself, where did Van der Beek play for Ajax? Because it couldn't be as a ten, because he was, he was, he just not, can't play it, and that, and then. The goal, literally, that comes... He, he's, he's made some run, a bad run, and then um, 
Telemans has sort of seen literally it's it parted like the Red Sea. <clears throat> Fred's kind of sort of half at right back. Matic has gone to press Telemans and just got done. <clears throat> the whole centre of the pitch literally opened up. And and that to me was that was was the major problem yesterday. Was we had no zero control of the game in the middle of the pitch. Lingard, Van der Beek, I mean, there was a well-coached side there in Leicester City who know what they're doing because they play a regular side. The bits of our team he took out who have been fundamental to playing our shape, I include Luke Shaw in that, I include Bruno in that, they weren't there. And Matic was a cone yesterday. Fred's weaknesses were cruelly exposed by Maguire on the first goal, particularly. I have a lot of problems with Maguire yesterday. I thought his performance... I think yesterday highlighted to the, a huge degree the weaknesses of those players, didn't they, Ben? Yeah, well, there's a, there's a great quote about uh, Fred. There's only, well, there's only three things wrong with Fred. He can't pass, he can't tackle, and he can't shoot. I... Wait, wait, sorry, just, just Ben, when Fred lines up a shot, my heart sinks. Because, you know, you can just tell it's going to go wide and you're going to see Ollie just do this face like, oh, good try, son, good try. It might genuinely, like, my heart sinks. It breaks every time you see him shaping up to shoot. You know what? After, the, after that debacle when Maguire should never have passed to Fred in that position, but, any, but Fred should not. I mean, it was diabolical, that back pass. I, and we know it because I, I called it on our WhatsApp thing. Obviously fuming I, I said to make an example of him you walk him off the pitch there you substitute Fred there and then because you showed the rest of the team that that just does not happen well, and I, if he'd done that if he'd done that the second goal would not have happened because yeah he left um, Tielemans left Matic for dead but what the fuck to coin a, a phrase from Aaron Paul was, was Fred trying to do? He didn't make a challenge. It was weak. It was feeble. It was pathetic. And it allowed Tielemans just to stroll in and strike a beautiful shot. But Fred was at fault for that second goal. And that put the nail in the coffin. Fred should have been... And we said it, and Dan, you, I'll lead into you, Dan, because you said it um, yesterday. But you make four substitutions... <laughs> Fred and Fred ain't one of them. Yeah. I, I don't look. I don't want to be. I don't want to do. A, I don't want to do a pile into Fred, right? Because I think we know what his. We know what his. What his weaknesses are. But what I will say is this: is that in terms of what we we still continue to 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 insist on playing these rehearsed press breaks, but we're absolutely dreadful at. And that was when Maguire played it to Fred. That had rehearsed press break all over it to me. And it just sometimes, just Dan, but Dan, it. two weeks ago against Man City, we did the same thing and the ball got played to McTominay, who can take the ball and yeah. can make that first break, right? So we have done it and it yeah. does, it can work. Yeah. We played it quite often. It didn't work yesterday on that first goal because Maguire, who can see what's ahead of everyone, mm. if you look at the replay, he has Tellez on the wing, which is an easy pass. It is an easy pass to open his body out, give it to Tellez, Tellez plays it back to him, open it out. Maguire should never have fed no, it I, Fred. I agree. I'm not necessarily, I'm not necessarily blaming Fred on that. I think, I think they're both culpable of, of that. But I think sometimes it's just... It, I just think sometimes don't try and do it then. Um, I, I that, agree with you. I, yeah. I agree with you. But Fred, I'm going to defend Fred a little bit because what Fred, when Fred's value in the team is, 
He does press quickly, he closes the balls down, he tackles and he wins the balls back. He does that really, really well. That's his main job in the team. Granted, he can't pass it. The lad just can't pass it 10 yards and he can't break the lines. But, and that's that's a big problem for us. And, and I think also th- there needs to be a bit of intelligence around that you need to you need to read the room. And he was having a bad game. So th- that makes even more so for me that Maguire the shouldn't be giving him that. Shouldn't he's had a, he's, he should be thinking he's not having a good game, so I'm not going to give him another chance to, to mess up, which I, is what he did. I agree because just before that, he'd lost the ball twice in dodgy yeah. positions, and they'd he, the he'd done a few hands up, so don't give him another he one. Why should have like not yeah. done it? I mean, Agreed. Ben, to take your point on the second goal, Matic presses the ball, he can't get there, they play around him like a cone, Fred is exposed. Lindelof drops back instead of engaging the ball because the centre-half has got to come forward and engage the ball to stop the shot, and he doesn't do it. And Fred was completely exposed. The function of that midfield defence again, and remember, Fred and McTominay play to protect Lindelof and Maguire. Maguire yesterday was exploited all the time on a one-versus-one. He got booked for it, Vardy had him on toast. Vardy should have finished the game. You know, if you're going to be Man United centre-half, you've got to be able to defend one-on-one. And that's where we've been successful. Maguire can't do it. And I think Maguire's had a lot of stick and I've defended him. But yesterday, I thought he was a major culprit to our downfall. Is, is, is Bailly injured again? Bailly's injured again, yeah. <laughs> that's the Absolutely. thing about Bailly, though, isn't it? We like Bailly. He's got loads of quality. I love him. Stay fit. I love him. Stay fit. He's at, let's be fair. He's the best defender at the club or best centre-half at the club. But he's just unfit completely. You can't trust that though. No. So he has to trust Lindelof and Maguire. Who we Where's Phil Jones these days? He's probably in therapy, I'd imagine. Um, <laughs> can we talk about Donny van der Beek? Because I'm perplexed. I don't know what I think. Who wants to take up the Donny van der Beek case? So, so this is this is my question because I'm not I'm not a I'm not a European football hipster and I didn't watch enough of I haven't seen enough of Ajax before. So I'm going to start with this question. Where did he play? In, in the Ajax team. Do, do, do we know where he played? Because somewhere, somewhere around the middle, mate. Yeah. It was kind of the, on the right of a three in midfield, is, or is what I understand. Right. So, 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 so my point is this. Don't play him somewhere where he's not played and where he's not good at playing. So the, just to put him in for Bruno, it, it just it doesn't work. And he looked to me to be... a It almost looked like a little boy lost yesterday at times. He, did, he, didn't, he didn't look like... He felt he was part of the team. And, and I just think whatever's happened, it, it's going to have to be either, yeah, I think it could be a clean slate next season. We either find a place for him where he's comfortable playing or we, 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 you know, we, we move I, him on. Because I, I don't understand why he's being played so... I agree. So, I, it's, so, so sparingly. I genuinely thought that we played the two defensive midfielders because Van der Beek or Pogba weren't available, um, because on our best day, we play one of them with either Van der Beek or Pogba. And from when I've seen Van der Beek play well, and I still hold high hopes for him, I do. I think he's, got a, he's a very intelligent footballer. I think he's in, in the centre of the pitch with a, with, a, with a holding midfielder. I would like to have seen him right next to Fred or McTominay and distribute the ball and open up defences, long range, long passing range, um, like a Carrick. But not Benny's not that player. He's a he is a he is a short passing game rotational midfield player. 
that's what he is. He's not particularly quick. He's not physical. You know, we, lo- we lose a lot. Br- what Bruno does in that number 10, he does press really well. He tackles and harries and he makes everybody else do it. Donny didn't do that yesterday. To me, that looked, I agree with Danny, looks absolutely lost. I don't see his physicality being able to cope with the Premier League. I just don't, I haven't seen it. I haven't, now I haven't seen it. And I think you look at other the Ajax players as well, Aaron, that um, have come into the Premier League recently, Zayesh, Klassen, people like that. They've struggled to come into the physicality of the Premier League. Aaron, what would you do with Donny van der Beek? That's all kind of questions that what would I do? I mean, what would do you, you do? keep him? Do no, you, you keep him. What? You don't, do, you don't just biff him off at the first opportunity. Come on, pal. Come on. He's had 27 games he's played. To, and not it doesn't really feel like he's played 27 games. He's been in 27 games. He's got one goal and, one, and two assists, I think. How many of those did he start? Uh, not, How many of them have been sort of 10 minutes here, 8 minutes here, 15 minutes here, 20 minutes there? That's the thing. And let's be fair. If, the, if, if we were still at three subs, would Oli even bring him on? Well, he's, I mean, he started him. He trusted him in, the, in a massive game yesterday to start him. It couldn't have been that big. How do you see Donny's future in that team? Where do you see him getting into that team? God, that's a very difficult question. And Again, look, there's so many players I expect to see out of that team. The likes of Matic, one matter, aka the forgotten man completely. You know, you expect to see a lot of people moved on and maybe he gets sort of ranked up the pecking order to like third or fourth choice reserve next year. But I don't know, I'm disappointed. I'm dis I'm really, 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 really disappointed. I think he's a fabulous player. I mean, maybe, I I, maybe I, I, he needs to operate in a three. I don't see how we play is going to suit him. I mean, I think another thing that highlighted Leicester yesterday was how good their team and club is ran against ours. So, you know, Leicester's signing success has been phenomenal. Johnny Evans, three and a half million. Soyuncu, Fafana, Ndidi, Tielemann. Yeah, am I right in saying they've won as much as us? In, like... They've won the league title sooner than we've done. Yeah, no, no, no. In the past, sort of, like, since Oli's been there or, or, you know, they've won as much as us. But they've got players that... They've bought players on their strategy, right, that have improved their team and their and their squad. Our strategy last summer of buying players to improve Oli and let him get on, one is Donny van der Beek, we don't know what to do with. Tellez is a backup left-back. Two little lads have gone on loan, one's on the bench. So it's like, what are we doing? What is going on? Yesterday highlighted all of issues, didn't it? I think someone's knocking on the door. They're trying to get out of your bedroom there, Aaron. Let them out. That's I, think not me. I think it's here. I think it's here with me. He's um, Donny van der Beek trying to get attention. You can hear his name being... It's Phil Jones's wooden leg. He's got cramp in it. <laughs> and, and did he cost 17 million from Genk? And um, Telemans, 40 million. Telemans. Oh, God, what a business. They do good business. They do good business, Leicester. They get rid of Maguire to us for 85 million and they bring in Fafana. 85 million. 80, 80, oh, God. When you think about that, and the worst thing is, you know, it's not even Maguire's fault. The price tag is not Maguire's fault. The price tag is the sheer stupidity of Woodward and and Judge and and, and Richard Arnold for for actually paying the price Um, and, and, and going and getting him when you know, they could have got him cheaper. I mean, I mean, oh, was that the right choice? I mean, I think Maguire does have qualities, but not maybe the qualities that he hasn't got get absolutely exposed when, when in a system that we play. 
Alderweireld, mate, for me. Alderweireld was the man. When you could have got him for £25 million, Alderweireld was always the man. You know, oh, um, maybe, maybe then, Aaron, but he, I mean, Jose hasn't been picking him. I mean... Yeah, I know, but, you know, I just, I still maintain we needed that experienced, calm head, a bit of a classy defender. Alderweireld, I feel, was the man. Yesterday um, brought up loads of uh, issues and problems, it seems, where none of us are all agreeing on anything and because there's so many things to kind of talk about. Um, well, let's talk about the future and what's going to happen after the international break, after these messages. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back to the Manchester United Redcast with me, Chris Curley. And with me, of course, is still Ben Paul, Aaron Paul, Dan Riley. Um, Dan Riley, in the week, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said that winning trophies can sometimes mask what's really going on at a football club. Is, that the, is he right? Is that the kind of thing you expect a manager to say going into the final months of the season and competing for trophies? Um, so, I think um, someone made a point on, um, on uh, I think it was on the, one of the athletic writers where he said that you know, would it would it be good to win a trophy uh, and come fifth? He said, "Well, ask Louis Van Gaal." I think I think what Solskjaer's talking about is the the long term that he feels he's in a long term rebuild, and that the important thing is that he gets that rebuild right, um, and whether or not we win trophies um, is another is another matter. But I think it's going to be. Uh, this this the gap. If we don't win a trophy this year, I think we're getting close to the longest gap that we've previously had, which is eighty five to ninety without a cup. So it's Manchester United. You know, you have to win trophies. Um, yesterday, when Chelsea were on, I think they said that if they don't win a trophy this season, it's two seasons without winning a trophy, and that's the longest they would have gone since a. Abra- Abra- Abramovich came in, which is 2003. Therein lies the problem. We, we've got, we, 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 have, we have to be winning stuff. And I think that the questions that will be raised at the end of this season are, is the rebuilding taking too long? I think we're all in agreement that we don't think he's been given the correct tools. And I imagine that come the end of this season, he won't be given enough tools to 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 battle against what is clearly a rejuvenated and much stronger Manchester City. Uh, they've bought players who have fitted in and uh, look 
like they're going to be around for a good long time now. So it's just a question of can can we bring in the right personnel to give Oli that correct rebuilding? And did Oli's comments this week about the trophies fill you with confidence or did it perplex you? No, I like I like his um, sheer honesty. I do. He's not um, a man of ego. He's a man of uh, he's he's a realist. Um, it doesn't frighten me. What frightens me more is the the managers that paper over the cracks with bluster. And um, a Mourinho kind of did that. And, uh, there are I, I I prefer him to be um, the way he is. I, I wasn't scared about that. But I agree with everything Dan just said. There is a resurgence in our competitors of late and this this season. City look incredibly impressive, and they do find players that fit into their to their style. And herein lies the problem: it's fitting into their style. And I think it's as important to bring in the right people as it is to establish our style. And I'm hoping with Johnny Murtagh and Darren Fletcher and Carrick at the club, and and but I'm hoping we can establish that style and a Manchester Manchester United style. Because you look at players that like Foden and Bernardo Silva at City, they are they they just slot in, and it could be that Haaland goes to City at the moment. Who knows? It's a week. Everything happens on a different different things happen every week. But it could be Real Madrid at the moment. But you can see that kind of player slotting in. You can see any player slotting in because it's one or two players that are coming through and slotting in. Chelsea have got an incredible wealth of talent there. Whether they'll gel together, well, Tuchel has done a pretty good job in the last few weeks. From nowhere, they could win the they could win the Champions League and the FA Cup. I think it's in answer to your question, Ollie. It doesn't it doesn't bother me. I think he understands the club, and I think and I'm hoping he understands the importance of setting a style and and doing and, and having a five year plan. Aaron, have, Aaron, have you seen enough progress? Yeah, yeah. I just, I think we're we're making the same old mistakes, aren't we? It's it's been the same old story for a couple of years now, and the same old mistakes. Where we're like, yeah, right, we'll address it in the summer. Yeah, we'll address it in the summer, but we never seem to address anything. Um, I mean, that's the worry, isn't it? That Ollie has progressed. The football's definitely better than Jose and LVG. The league performance is better. But I think it's the types of games we're losing them in the manner we're losing them, the way we're losing them. Yeah. You I think, think you doubt think sometimes Palace, that Oli can take us to that level, doesn't it? You think about Palace and she- Palace, Sheffield United, you know, uh, Arsenal, bloody hell, we should have been winning those games. We should have been about, winning those games. I think about Chelsea in the semi-final, Seville in the semi-final, I think City in the semi-final. God. I see that's in the quarterfinal. That's, that's the frustrating bit. I still maintain there's a lot of work to be done on the recruitment side. Look, I cover a lot of football league stuff as well. You know, Championship League 1, League 2. And, and let me tell you, recruitment is 11 tenths of the law. If your recruitment's shit, you're in trouble. You're in big, big trouble. The reason that you see some of the clubs in the Championship League 1 and League 2 do well... And, and sort of progress is because their recruitment is on point. You know, I, in fact, I'm going to bring it to an ex-United player, Mick Harford. Do you know, do you remember Big Mick? Yeah, Luton Town, number nine, big scary Mick at Wimbledon, used to beat the crap out of people. Absolutely, Big Mick. Big Mick is head of recruitment at Luton Town, who have 
a small budget, a real, real tiny budget. Yet, you know what? Consistently, he finds players that will work in their system, one, that will buy into their ethos and their culture, two, and three, that will come in at the certain price, you know, the right price. And I'm not saying go and get fucking Mick Harford, but what I'm saying is, is that we need a structure, we need a, a style, we need an identity, and, um, and we need to buy players that fit into it. Right now, we're about to go into one of the most difficult transfer windows, transfer markets, windows, whatever you want to call it, in history. Because there are clubs up and down the land, in and out of Europe, looking for a centre-half and a forward. Everyone yeah. is looking for a centre-half and a forward, yeah? Chelsea, oh. looking for a centre-half and a forward. Liverpool looking for a centre half and a forward. City definitely looking for a forward. Aaron, potentially looking for a centre. I interrupt you because you cover a lot of the of the the, the leagues, the different uh, lower down leagues. Yeah, have you spotted any talent? Because we were kind of talking about it last week yeah. that um, you know we don't have to go far and wide to find talent. Leicester seem to find a lot of domestic talent. Can you see that? Can you see um, potential in Dem Hills? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mate, I'm telling you, Emmy Buendia at Norwich, you know what? If you're going to sack off Lingard, I'll go and chuck 10, 15, 20 million pound at Emmy Buendia. Max Ahrens, fantastic player as well at Norwich City. A lot of talk about... What about centre-halves and strikers? Well, a lot of people talking about Nathan Collins at Stoke. He's a centre-half. Yeah. Um, You know, they've got another lad there called Harry Soutar, who's an absolute beast. The man is humongous. He's he's a real, real animal. Um, there was Ivan Tony has got broke. You know, I think that we talked this a couple of weeks ago. You know, United tried this with Dan James. They bought him from Swansea, right? So they've, they've been doing it. They've been looking. They've been trying it. Um, the other Premier League clubs have had success with people like Ollie Watkins coming up from, from Brentford in, in the Championship. Um, and there's a lot... That market seems to be richer. Are people being able to make the step up now into the Premier League? Ivan Tony as a centre forward at Brentford is breaking records. Will, do you think someone big can, in the Premier League will go for him? Is he good enough for He's Old Trafford? Enough. Are these Absolutely. players good enough and robust <laughs> enough for Old Trafford? Uh, I just wonder if the, the, the bright lights would scare him a bit. Aaron, have you seen much of Garner at Forest? Yeah, he looks good, you know. He looks good. I was talking to. Uh, someone on Saturday, I can't tell you who, but I was talking to someone on Saturday uh, who turned around and said that a Premier League club is interested in him next year. What? What's? T- tell us where he plays, Aaron. What's his central of- central midfield? He controls the midfield. He's like a he's like Michael Carrick. Like he's like Michael Carrick. Like well, he knows how to do the basics very, very, very well. You see, for me, <clears throat> if he's if he has a good season in the Championship. I I say let let's give him a give him a place in the first team squad next season and let's let's see let's just see well, what happens. I, I, what I've seen of James Garner at Forest, I think they gave him the captain's armband in the last game. He is he's not ready for Man United playing twenty five games a season yet, and if he only plays five to ten, you're going to set him back. So the idea mm-hmm. of putting him, he's, I think he's a year away from being a first team. But squad. How old is he, Chris? He's twenty. But it's, it's 20, that position's different. I, I think Aaron, if a Premier League club wants to take him on loan next year, that is the best move for him. And also, yeah, what we're I talking think about... Wasn't McTominay, wasn't McTominay that age, playing centre mid? His physicality... Yeah, McTom- McTominay come with the Fergie seal of approval, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And his physicality is different to James Garner. James is, is still not 
you know, filling out as a man just yet at 20, I would say, for the stick Premier League. Stick him on the Brian Robson bottle of stout and a, yeah, and a yeah. diet. But it's interesting, isn't it, about, you know, trying to, as, as Aaron just mentioned there, are they robust enough to and cope mentally with playing for Man United? It's a, the recruitment side of that is a completely different uh, I'll game. T- I'll tell you what, if it, if it was up to me, yeah, I'd have a real policy if I was running the Premier League club to say anyone youth prospect wise who we think is going to make it has to do at least a year in the championship has to do a year at Stoke at Luton at Millwall where they're going to get beaten up a bit. Yeah. Because let's be fair, the championship is one of the most brutal leagues in the world. It is brutal as fuck. League one is even more brutal, but league one, you're, you're sacrificing quality for sort of quantity of games and minutes. But the championship, if you can cut it there, you can cut it anywhere. Tell a good player, Joe Worrell at Forest. Joe Worrell will get a Premier League move this summer. Yeah, Burnley have been linked with him in the past, I think. Good player. I mean, what's interesting about the championship is that, and the competitiveness of it, the last couple of years, the teams have got relegated have pretty much come straight back up. I mean, you look at Norwich and um, who's second in the championship at the minute with them? Watford. 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 They were relegated last year. Bournemouth are in the playoffs. So, you know, I think the teams that come down this year, whether that's Newcastle, Fulham, uh, Sheffield United, and they'll all keep their money and probably will try and keep their squad so they can come straight back up again. So picking the right club that's competitive enough for any kind of United youth player. I think it's a, a trickier, trickier prospect than it maybe has been before. How's Mengi doing at Derby then? Uh, yeah he's not he's doing okay. I mean they'll talk him up so he's, he's not he's starting four or five games he's played they've put him in a back three or they've played him wing back I mean one of the things I think from watching it and reading about him is that again the physicality of that level of football he's not used to and remember Tendon's only 18, 19 so he's got a lot of growing to do so that's still, you know, a year, a year for him in the championship will do him the world of good next year. A consistent year somewhere at, you know, maybe at Derby again, maybe at a club that's sort of working higher up the, the, the league table. Because I think you'll see Sheffield United, you'll see a few players go from there. And if Fulham get relegated, they're, they're looking, I know they're looking for a centre-half badly. They're, they're going to lose Joachim Anderson, um, who's looked really good, by the way, Anderson. Uh, he looks like he could do a Premier League job, you know. He, he's he's a good player. He's a good player, Joachim Anderson. But um, you know, Ted Mengi at Fulham, Ted Mengi at a Sheffield United would do very, very well, very well. I mean, that's. I mean, recruitment is everything, but we can't be confident in our cr- recruitment over the last eight years. You just can't. You know, you look at. I go back to Leicester again, but I think Leicester is a perfect example of buying players young who have become mainstays of their team in Tillemans, Ndidi, or Fafana, Soyunku, all these people. And that level of recruitment is astonishingly successful. And maybe they're the exception to the rule. But ours has been, frankly, woeful. Is, is that going to be part of uh, Fletcher's remit, do we think? Oh, you'd have to think so, wouldn't you, Aaron? I hope so. I mean, I really hope the sad thing is, I think Fletcher's going to be used as the big scapegoat. When they fail to sign players, it will be like, oh, well, you know, we had a transfer team working on it and, and they couldn't quite get it done or they, they didn't think it was it was going to work, you know. Um, I, you look at Leicester, by the way, it's John Rudkin is the man at Leicester who signs all these players. He's also the reason they got uh, Angolo Kante. We had Mares. He's the reason they signed Jamie Vardy. He's, he's a fantastic person. And that's the thing. Again, 
you know, we talk about recruitment, we look at recruitment teams. It's all about personnel. At Norwich City, they've got Stuart Webber, who controls a lot of stuff there. He's the one who, who sent Huddersfield up through, through the leagues and into the Premier League. He's employed this sort of money ball model there. Um, John Rudkin at Leicester has been, has been fantastic. But What credentials uh, does Darren Fletcher have, that's the question, but, to anyway, be a director of football? I think what you've what you, by 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 highlighting that there there are there are those those characters that kind of have operated at these um, at these clubs and and done brilliant recruitment. At, in any other industry, the the big the big boy would just come in and say, "Right, we're having you. You come to us and you do that job for us." There's one problem: that person comes to United, tells them what to do, tells them, "No, don't don't sign Paul Pogba for you know." Pog back, hashtags, blah, blah, blah. You should sign these three players here. <clears throat> That's not what United want. They don't want to be told who to buy because they want to buy glamour players. They want to buy people like Alexis Sanchez and put him on a piano in the pitch. <clears throat> the, the problem is, is that, the, that we know that not only um, do, do, do the Glazers not like to spend money, but we know that Woodward loves to operate in this world. And, and I'm afraid that's why they've never got... Uh, it's the only possible reason why they've never got someone in, because I mean, that person will come I, in and... By them. and large, that's true. I think, they've, I think they've moved away slightly from that, the last couple of transfer windows, in what they've tried to do and, getting rid, and not doing that so much. I mean, this summer is... I don't expect... Well, I think we all know the amount of wheeling and dealing that is probably needed and necessary, and you think, but I don't expect there to be that much. I mean, the whole summer is, be- is based on whether Pogba stays or goes and how much we might get for him. Which, is, which is a shame, isn't it? Because, yeah. let's be fair, under David Gill, we used to get shit done. You know, yeah. we used to get shit done quietly as well. I remember when we signed Nanny Anderson and Hargreaves in one day. You know, the, what, what, what a day that was. And we well, got stuff done without people knowing about it. Don't, don't you think they're using that chatter of transfer rumours to big up their digital numbers for their Chinese market? Do you know what I mean? It's like they want, and you'll, I reckon we'll see over the next two weeks some stories from favoured United journalists linking us with, with a big target as a policy of appeasement. Sancho. Pardon? Sancho. Sancho, yeah, what about Sancho? Is he coming? Well, I'm, I'm asking you, is he, is he going to be the big target? I don't, I don't know. You, you'll get stories of Harry Kane coming back, I reckon. <laughs> you know? Do you, I, think, I think that's what you'll probably have. You've got, he's got two big transfer decisions which will affect the budget, I think. One is whether Pogba stays or goes, and out of Henderson and De Gea, who stays or goes, and what can you get for them? Fuck me, I mean, they get offload Martial if they can. Get someone well, Martial's, I think, the third one. I think he's the third one. Well, those two, they're probably two... That's where you get your most money, aren't they? You know, I think, I, joking apart, I think they should have played Martial yesterday. Listen, we've got a break of the international break coming up. And then when we come back, we've got three games in a week. Um, we've got Brighton at home, back in the Premier League. Then we're playing Granada, or away at Granada, which is a local derby in the Europa League. And then we're going down to Spurs um, for the return fixture after they beat us 6-1 at home at the start of the season, which will be an important game in the race for top four because Spurs aren't quite out of that race just yet after last night's win. Ben, how do you see the results and the performances going when we come back? Well-rested, fired up, or 
will they tail off? And is it, you know, it's a big eight weeks for Ollie? I think, um, yeah, I'd like to be optimistic. So I'll stay optimistic. I think the break will do us good. I think um, we'll nurse back a few key players, um, Rashford in particular. So I'm looking hopeful for that. I hope we stick one over on Mourinho. The one saving grace of, of bowing out of the FA Cup was seeing the hum- utter humiliation of that team in the last few weeks. I told my, my mate, um, I told Danny Fenton that, um, that they've got a cancer in that club and, and this, when he was waving it in my face that we've got Mourinho, we've got Mourinho. I said, just you wait. He will ruin your club from the inside. And he is. He's a nasty little fucker. And, uh, and I can't wait to do one over on them. And rumours that if they let him go, he's got to, they've got to pay him 25 million. The man does so well out of failure. So my, so um, I hope we stick one over on Tottenham. We'll beat Brighton at home, but of course. Um, and all our eyes on, on Granada. I'm surprised you haven't done your Lucy Meacock or Bob Greaves jokes yet. Well, you've ruined it now. I can't do them. <laughs> I had a whole Chris Talbot one ready to go. I mean, Tottenham Wilson. I mean, it was all there, you know. <laughs> Playing way down Key Street. I mean, you know, you ruined it. You just ruined it. Dan, when we come well, back, how's it yeah, going? I'm not. I'm not sure about. I'm not sure about the well-rested bit because there's three World Cup qualifiers in this week. Um, Portugal, I've thankfully got two pretty easy ones in Azerbaijan and Luxembourg, but they've got a tough game in Serbia. So I'm no doubt Bruno will be playing the majority of that. Um, uh, Fred will be well rested because South America uh, qualifiers uh, aren't happening because basically it looks like everyone in Brazil has COVID. Um, and I, I, I don't know. It's going to be. It's going to be. A, it's a tricky one. I mean, you do get. I think what you do get after the international break is that players come back and it's back to the club and it's and and sometimes you get that kind of a little bit of a bounce on those games. Um, Brighton are playing well, though, aren't they? Um, they're, they're Brighton are playing well. Well, they scored a cracker yesterday. So, I, I think. I think the key thing now is that we don't implode for the top four, um, because obviously we. I, I'm not suggesting top four is all that, but it's about recruitment, isn't it? And if we're not, if we're not back in there, we're gonna. We we are gonna. We are gonna struggle with the with the few. Uh, <laughs> Big, with the with the multitude of big name players, we're going to be well, linked with. I, I want second, and I want the Europe to win the Europa League now. And I think anything else is failure. Aaron, when we come back after the international break, mm. Ollie has a big decision actually to make between Henderson and De Gea for the rest of the season. Do you have any thoughts about which way he'll go and and how the the run in's going to pan out for us? I think De Gea comes back after the international break. You know? Interesting. I really think he does. I think I think you, I think this whole time, you know, uh, De Gea having a baby was actually quite a, a good little PR move for Ollie because you know all the sort of woke characters sat in there going, "Oh yeah, look at him giving his goalkeeper paternity leave and all that." Ain't that nice of him? What a lovely man he is. Yeah, cool. Whereas Ollie sat there going, "Right, great. I can give him Henderson a bit of an extended run. He can shut up. He can show him what he's about." And look, he's looked decent. Granted, he's he's had one what one mistake, whatever it is, doesn't it? But um, yeah, I think I think the hair comes back. And well, I think whoever starts against Brighton will be the goalkeeper next season, and the other one will get sold. Yeah. I think that's we can probably 
make a I can't see them selling game. Henderson, you know. I can't, can't see them selling Henderson. No, 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 no. He but won't want to stay though. He but I don't think they can keep the pair of them, can they? I, 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 I think, I think, I think we will see Henderson playing more to to give off the impression that if you want De Gea, you can come and get him, but you're going to have to pay. You're going to have to pay big money. I say we call both of those bluff and we play Big Surge instead. Yeah, <laughs> fucking both of. Yeah, wind them up properly. Yeah, it might be you. It might be you. It might be you. Bang! Bring the gum to her back. Do you know what? He can sell both of them. He can sell both of them. The talk of bringing Martinez in from from Villa. Um, oh, why? We are never going to make as many changes as we all think. If there are three new players coming in in the summer and they don't come in the last couple of weeks of August, same on wages, I'll be amazed. I think the De Gea Henderson thing is a real subplot to look out for on April the third against Brighton. Lots mm. to play for till the end of the season. Ben, Aaron, Dan, always a pleasure. Whoa, I whoa, whoa. You forgot released. one thing. There is going to be one change. What's the season. one change? Oh, team yes. viewer. Oh, team viewer. Oh, well, Mike, I mean, less. Oh, well. You know, I think I this, is bit... the, um, this is the, the Mike Moulton. You've ruined me outro. We can save team viewer. This is it, was such a, it was such a lucrative deal. Oh, sorry, go on. It's the Mike Moulton sponsorships. Well, the team viewer share price uh, crashed after the announcement. So say well, that was, what you will. It was such a lucrative deal. I got a call from the World Service to do something on it. So I did that on World Service, talking about Glazonomics and, and how they make their money and whatnot. And Well, oh, that was after I complained to the club that basically this was just one of Ed Woodward's schemes to scam people out of double the money for kits. Because, you know, they were planning to put Chevrolet on the shirt till January yeah, and then swap it around. That is just a fucking con. That is the biggest con I've ever heard in my life. And it's it's parents who suffer because the kids are like, yeah, well, I want this shirt now with TeamView on it. I don't want it with Chevrolet on it. You know, my mate, my mate Rufus, he's not wearing one with um, with, with, with Chevrolet on it, so I want the TeamView one. And I've got the second kit and the third kit and the keeper kit. And how much are they? Well, they're all £75 each. It's just money. I tell you, not, the problem not, not where I get my kids' kits, they're not Aaron. Don't know, should, you should I'll, give him that. I'll, I'll give you the link. <clears throat> I know the, from the kit situation, the sizes are so small they grow out of them within six months. That's that's another rip-off con they're doing for us. But then they do that at Blue Harbour as well, and Marks and Spencers. It's, it's, it's glazonomics. It's glazonomics. <laughs> that's what it is. That, that's it. That's it for this week. More about Team Viewer after the international break. I know I'll be away for a couple of weeks. Um, it's been a, a mixed bag of a week. And it's been a cathartic experience, gentlemen, discussing all things Man United with you. Thanks for joining us. And one final thing, come on, you Reds. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at unitedredcast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.